That's weird. Why isn't it the door? Eric, did you unlock it? Yeah. I didn't I didn't change anything. I mean, the key works. Who's there? D- Dave? Dave? Yeah. Yeah, it's me. Who's there? Uh, everyone that is supposed to be here to record. Can you open the door, please? What's the password? Password, password is open the goddamn door. Mm, sorry, Brian. That's close, but that, 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 nope, that's not it. Open the goddamn door, Dave. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Brian. I can't do that. Dave, I'm going to kill you. Okay, no, that's the, that's the actual password. Okay. I was going to try that one. Too. Dave. Yeah. What have you been up to? Oh, I've been up to a lot, Brian. I've been up to a lot. I mean, I have been up to a lot. Do you know what's going to... Do, do you see the work that I put into this place? This is place is like is like my sanctuary. It's, it's Wait, a, it's wait, a place wait, wait. I'm, I'm sorry. Can you yeah. explain the tinfoil and the pile of, like, canned food? Okay. Well, the tinfoil is because I actually don't have uh, access to lead, so this is going to be a great way for me to protect myself from the radioactive waves that are probably going to hit. And the well, canned I, food... I could get you lead. Oh, okay. Well, if you if you could put an order in, that'd be great. Okay. And then the canned food uh, is clearly <laughs> sustenance for me to live and survive uh, once everybody has died, which I'm very sorry. Uh, I, I'll miss you guys a lot. I have a question. Yeah. Uh, well, it, is that lemonade in that gallon jug? No. No, no, it's not. Um, I've actually, oh, I've actually uh, learned how to uh, to synthesize my urine into drinkable water. I've made Waterworld come to life. And how are you doing that? You you, you just uh, put it through the Brita filter. You have to do it a couple of times, but uh, eventually it, uh, it it definitely works. Def, 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 definitely works. It it doesn't. Trust me. It does not, Dave. Uh, okay. Well, guys, it's been great. But if you guys could, you know, you know, get going because there's only enough room for one person, and <laughs> I'm a pretty uh, selfish person. So, okay. So, um. Mm-hmm. Guess we'll have to record somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I Bye-bye. mean, I guess we could go to your parents' garage. That worked for a while. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we're good for rent, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I've written a check for at least six months. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Bye, Dave. <sighs> Finally alone, just the way God intended it. Gentlemen, welcome to Nerds on History. I'm Sarah Ashley. I am Eric Brickmont. And I am Brian Moriarty. Uh, and you know what I'm, I'm excited about, guys? I'm excited that for the first time in a long time, all four Nerdonomy co-founders are in one room to do what we do best. Rock the, the you know, the microphone. Rock the Casbah? I was going to say the F word. I was gonna, and, and, and then you forgot what podcast he was podcast. on for a minute. <laughs> how, many, how many do you guys have left of the swear? Has Sarah used So he didn't words? use a full swear. Yeah, so, so we he get, didn't we have get to bleep three per episode. Yeah. Okay. They have to be bleeped. Oh. Uh, Sarah gets an extra fourth because she's Sarah. So I've been... You've been amazing. So good the past several episodes. She's earned that one. Yeah. We raised her allowance. I've oh, been so good that I I... I like a I like a well timed, and so I really want to make sure that I'm using it appropriately. And I just have to say, don't we all? So, <laughs> wow, the uh, podcast has definitely gotten a little uh, crassier since I've been on. <laughs> so anyway, the, the comments made on this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of me. Well, what I what, what I just love is that oh please, they reflect your views. Yeah. Uh, I know they do. <laughs> uh, 
What's it's funny is that like the audience is going to hear I like a well placed football <laughs> and yeah anyway um, joining <laughs> okay just, so just because I could we, we do we're we now have we've got one more. left now. no no we got two because there's 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 a there's a bonus the one. Yeah. two yeah. more sorry I got really excited okay let's in look. the in the nerd cave tonight for the maybe the listeners who have not heard the older episode they're like who's this guy who's this guy <laughs> David McGuire hello yay. Dave and I started Nerds on Film back in 2012. It was originally just you and I, and then Sarah joined us pretty quickly afterwards. Mm-hmm. We thought that if we started a podcast, that maybe we could prevent the Mayan apocalypse from happening. <laughs> yeah, about Guess that. what? We did. It turns out we had our own little <laughs> yeah. apocalypse that we had to uh, overcome, because this is the second time we're recording this episode. Yeah. The first time yeah. the power cut out, and we were like 45 minutes in. There's like, guys, there's a whole episode that is lost to... Lost to the ether. Basically. Lost. To history. No possible way we could recover that. No, none nope. whatsoever. So. so we apologize. This one's not going to be quite as good as the first one. <laughs> <laughs> We're giving you a subpar episode. It's going to be it's going to be a leaner one for sure. This is kind of like the um, which is pretty. I'm sorry. This is pretty spectacular. We've only had to re-record an episode of Nerds on Film once. True. Yeah, that was the disaster movie episode, which so, ironically was a disaster. Kind of crazy. Yeah. That there we were doing disaster films, and the recording turned out to be a disaster. And then here we do the we're doing spoilers Doomsday, and then <gasps> the power thing. completely cuts out, and we lost the episode. I think someone's trying to give us a sign. I just think. Yeah, it's called PG&E. It means pay your bill. <laughs> <laughs> no, Eric? it was it was like 90 degrees that yeah, day. Yeah, it was a really hot day. It was like 10 degrees hotter it in the It was over cave. 90 degrees. We blew yeah. a fuse in the whole house. I had yeah. to run back in the house and change a fuse because the house, is, the house I'm in is like 90 years old. And all yeah. the wiring is super And it was, it was the hottest we've ever been in the Nerd Cave. That's what that was for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was pretty. It we've was got some unbearable. pretty bad summers in here, but that, that was probably on record the worst time in the cave yeah for because sure unfortunately we can't keep the air conditioning running because it's noisy it is so so we had, we decided to call tonight and sacrifices for you guys yeah so we ended up meeting back up a week later and here we are to complete our mission yes so and i do want to state that we have another interesting little factoid to share dave only ever comes on yeah, true. for the most cheerful and and happy <laughs> of topics. that's right because your first one that you were on was cannibalism. cannibalism well not well that's not we're not including the thanksgiving episode because that was the first one that you were really on you and sarah were both on for that one yes oh yeah yeah that's but, true but, but we did talk about you. you know like the whole everything we did to the indigenous people that's very true yeah. that's yeah. true yes and, yeah. and, 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 and there was the cannibal episode. and brian did cry too so yeah, yeah. and there was the cryptozoology one which was uh pretty amazing it had monsters in it oh yeah i remember that one and yeah, then yeah, of course yeah. then it was uh then we did the unsolved mysteries one where Eric was in a coma. Yeah. And, uh, we did Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper, yeah. And I pissed off one of your listeners. <laughs> I I will tell you right now, um, and I'm sorry if that word gets bleeped out. I no, you're fine. Pissed that. off is allowed. Okay. Uh, I cannot tell you, like, that feedback hit me so hard. I felt so bad that I let that person down. Like, ask Brian. Like, I was, like, physically affected by that email. So I will not talk this entire episode to, to upset anyone else. You're like, yeah. I'm done speaking. <laughs> in, in, instead of actually doing more research, David decided to do no research and just provide color commentary instead. So yep. that's I'm like I'm like the equivalent of Eric on Nerds on Film. 
<laughs> Excuse me, I carried the Star Trek episodes. I've just got to say. Yes, you did. That's and you're true. really That's you're one. a very, very valuable uh, like game show host. So That's like when true. you create That's the games that we can play. But there was that one episode where there was the what was the what was the shark movie? <laughs> I don't know, but I remember. But you I had didn't, actually, I didn't know anything. Seen I didn't you were anything. just going off the Wikipedia article. Yeah. Yeah. I was just <laughs> reading I was just listening to our Garden State episode and like Eric just like chimes never so often with like these really great puns and it's just like <laughs> That's his contribution. <laughs> I am going to embody that today. Because Beautiful. let's bring some levity to what's already a fairly dark and depressing subject, everybody. Yeah. So uh, let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, every culture has its own vision for the end of civilization, right? Or the end of whatever, the end of the world, the end of the universe. So, I mean, where I think where, where, should, we, where should we start? Because, I mean, pretty much it's been around since the beginning of civilization. Well, I want to start first with Aunt Teresa. And that's not to say that she's like the harbinger of doom. Because she, <laughs> she's not. What she is is actually the harbinger of, like, baked goods and Generous donations. And, like, Very generous Homemade donations. pillowcases and other amazing things that she gives to my family and to the nerds. You got a homemade pillowcase? We got four homemade pillowcases from Aunt Teresa. She's, Why don't we have to throw pillows in here? Oh, I got them. Like, they're for my oh. kids but oh. we have the blankets and the also blankets. all the yeah, other stuff the that blankets. she's given the this nerds which are true. extremely helpful when we can't when it's winter time and we can't have the heat going yes <laughs> now i i was i was brushing Worst. my teeth the other day getting ready for work got a call from aunt Teresa. very excited wanted to talk about something with me could not wait could not wait i i could not spit out the toothpaste in my mouth because this could not wait and she was very, very excited because she had heard about uh, this particular doomsday prophecy that might very well come true on the 28th of September. Because, again, hey, Mongo's equation. Anything's possible. Just, you know, levels of probability. This is, you know, kind of ridiculously low. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's, it's We're going to be fine, folks. But nonetheless, it was a, a very interesting, somewhat almost convincing argument at first because it had to do with the... The cycles of lunar eclipses and solar eclipses and how they all correlate to, you know, the suffering and then rising again of of the Jewish people and all, all sorts of really interesting kind of tie-ins that are completely and totally looked for and have no real basis in science or history uh, or even quite honestly in the in the ancient religions in which they're they're based in. I mean, this is totally, completely contemporary, made up and modern. But nonetheless, uh, she thought it would be an awesome topic for us to cover. And because we want to keep Aunt Teresa happy. Here it is. Hooray! I just had to set it up. I'm sorry. I like no, that. That's cool. I like that your reason for us doing the episode is like, if we don't... This is like a long setup. But like, and, things, and then, thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs> we will, we'll and see you next it. week. So, I mean, let's... I mean, I think there's kind of a lot of different contexts that we can look at doomsday things. I feel like there's, um, you know, certainly a religious aspect to a lot of these predominantly well especially when you get to the ancient ones because i mean as we've talked about this many times before is that religion was in many ways the means for perpetuating a culture and for pushing right. it forward right well, i remember back to when kathy was on the first episode that religion is more of a modern term right it's more or less just the belief structure of that civilization that just came to be from how they learned to observe the universe around them right and also i mean if you're talking about ancient civilizations what they need as they began to grow larger and larger for some sort of centralized government and control within that government religion had to go hand in hand to allow that to really come into fruition the the most ancient rulers and leaders of their nations were also oftentimes their religious authority as well and yeah. it made sense because it connected people 
deeply with this. I won't call it nationalism because that didn't really exist at that time, but nonetheless, with a sense of cohesion as a unified body, as a unified culture and country. Right. Religion made that possible. Right. And I think it's natural because human beings are known to be able to conceive of their own mortality. It It's very easy to extrapolate that into saying, well, there could be a situation where all of this ends simultaneously. Right. So it's not really that far-fetched to, to understand why we would conceive of end of the world that being said uh where do we want to start in history do you want to start with judaism because that seems to be the the most dominating one but well we have to at least mention zoro zoroasterism okay i think that's a good place to start then because if we don't then we're really not setting the proper stage because if you look at the abrahamic religions right so judaism christianity and islam they all pull heavily from the foundations that zoroasterism one of the first monotheistic religions in existence brought to the table. I'm sorry, is Zordon religion? What? Yes. Yeah. It's uh, also the worship of Zoro as so, a celestial being. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> He's a celestial being? It's little known so fact. Basically, it's a long story short for those who don't know what Zoroastrianism is. Uh, it is a monotheistic religion based in the Middle East as well. Uh, and what it, is now the modern day Iran. Exactly. Uh, the prophet of Zoroastrianism is Zoroaster or Zastra. Um, I might be saying that name incorrectly. I think it's a Zathura. Is it a Zathura? Dave doesn't no. know. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Dave has no idea. Um, so anyway, but the the more Romanized name for it is just Zoroaster. Right. That sounds a little bit easier to say. So that's what we'll go with. Um, and yeah, and you're right. A lot of that, I mean, first off, the idea of mono, monotheism, period, uh, is a big deal. Because even in neighboring you know, cultures in the Middle East polytheism was fairly common up until what the first century basically really when you start to see more or less yeah Yeah. i mean the ancient egyptians dabbled with it uh in a couple different ways most noticeably with akhenaten and his reign which was definitely monotheistic monotheistic centered yeah right but nonetheless you're you're right there were a lot of indo-european cultures that still had um pagan um gods that they still worshipped for a while after that Zoroasterism took this concept of monotheism and really ran with it. And when in doing so, created a lot of concepts like the ideas of heaven and hell and also an end of the world and the type of judgment that would go along with that and these events you know, preceding the end of the world, which continue to bring us down, 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 down before we're all kind of brought up. And that concept permeates throughout, despite its form in different variations, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. Mm-hmm. There you go. And I think that's a great way to to go from there. Because really the earliest uh, Judeo-Christian example of apocalyptic writings is the book of Daniel. Um, and you're talking about, I mean, we're, at this point in history, we're talking about 2nd century BCE. Um, for those who aren't familiar with Jewish history, uh, this at this point, the Israelites have been removed from their place of living they're now taking essentially they're living in exile in babylon um and a lot of that is depicted in the book of daniel and that's the thing to know about the bible too um when you get to the prophetic writings of the old testament they're semi-historical and that they that was them to talking about hey this is what happened but also keep in mind that ancient hebrew and also aramaic because there are writings of this in both languages um are fairly figurative languages to begin with yeah so uh, and this is also a culture that believed that God was responsible for everything. Everything. 
the rain falling, you know, the sun coming up, the sun going down, all that stuff. So it makes no surprise that the the supernatural things you you are hearing depicted are probably a mix of one um, figurative language and two based off of that that worldview. Uh, and but for the record, by the way, I want to clear this up too. We recognize that there are some listeners who uh, interpret the Bible um, as it is as a, as a very literal means of understanding the world. And we don't mean any offense to that. We're just not going to take that approach. We're right. going to we're going to approach it from a cultural and a, more of a literature, uh, a very standpoint. broad perspective, correct, and a world perspective as well. Because yeah. we're not just going to focus on you know the Abrahamic religions. We're going to talk about some other stuff too. Absolutely too. And everyone knows that I'm the I'm the Catholic on the podcast. So it's like I'm on you your are? side. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's been a while since Dave's been here. Yeah, um, and it's I <laughs> when know. When did you get here? <laughs> just, I'm, and I know because I didn't bring out my rosary. So um, <laughs> anyway, um, the thing I find really interesting is that without going into the details of the plot of the book of Daniel, what I find fascinating is that Daniel was a man who was essentially imprisoned within Babylon. He, and he was not only imprisoned, but around the time that he had gotten the visions from God that inspired these writings, he was basically isolated and on a fast. Right? I think it's important to note that when you don't have food in your system for a few days, one of the things that you're prone to do is hallucinate. Now, I'm not, again, I do not mean any offense. I do not mean to say that Daniel didn't have some divine conversation with God. But knowing that that is a symptom of starvation, it stands to reason that might be what inspired those. The only reason I bring that up is if you look at the parallel of that, to how Revelation was written. Now we're talking late first century of the Common Era, so really only two, three hundred years difference in time. Uh, to John of Patmos, who is the attributed as the author of that book, uh, John of Patmos would have certainly, being a a Christian who acknowledged the Old Testament, not just the Torah, but all the Old Testament, the prophetic writings as well, he would have been familiar with the Book of Daniel, and so. Under his circumstance, the Romans at that point were basically quarantining Christians to this small little Greek island of Patmos. And he was going through a similar situation where he was also going through a fast. Can you see a pattern forming? So uh, fasting is a common Christian practice. You usually use devote time to, to heavy prayer and meditation. So it would be no surprise that in those prayers, he would have a callback to the same visions he had become familiar with by reading the book of Daniel. And a there's a lot of parallels that happen in between the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation with beasts and battles. And essentially, the big thing is that God coming back and God judging the living and the dead and that the kingdom of God actually coming to full fruition. Um, I mean, even in Judaism, where there's no formal sense of the afterlife other than just this sense of the underworld, which is not to mean hell, just to say this, this place that the dead go. Um, but that aren't in the presence of God, but they're just they're just there. Um, it, essentially, that's just kind of the the reboot of that when you get into the Christian view of uh, the apocalypse. So um, it, it's just it's interesting because well, ultimately, what I find fascinating is that both of those are talking about man's man's shortcomings coming. Yeah, and, to and not just that, destroy but them in Islam as well. So yeah. they they all have this overarching similarity with one another and they usually also work off of either lists of things that need to be fulfilled before the end of the world's going to happen 
or just the the general idea that things are just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. In Judaism, it's specifically the plight that's being forced upon the Jews, right? So the problems that Jews keep on having uh, leads up to that one day of, of judgment, right? And it makes sense because if you think about Judaism and you think about everything the Jews have been through, okay, well, yeah, if you're looking for a way out, you're looking for that light at the end of the tunnel, you're probably going to base it on your own experiences and going through a lot to get to it. And then you look at something like Islam and you look at the list that's required for there, which is significantly longer. And it talks about a lot of moral depravity. And Islam is very much against moral depravity. It's a, it's a religion that's very much focused on purity and, you know, being close and connected to, to God by doing the things that are considered to be, you know, moral and just, right? So it makes sense that there would be this huge laundry list of things that would have to go wrong. Yeah. Uh, and Christianity being a much more how do I want to say, kind of like a, um, uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? So I, I, when I see Christianity, I think more of stories and I think of the storytelling elements of Christianity. It is a far more narratively based. Yeah. That's a perfect yeah. way of putting it. And that's yeah, where totally. you see a lot of kind of what's reflected in those other religions coming true, but not so much in the form of a list, but rather in the form of all these different stories, right. like in Revelations, yeah. right, that leads up to the end of the world. So yeah. I've never actually read Revelation. So what? what's supposed, I mean, God's supposed to come back, judge the living and the it's dead. It's very revealing. Is it? I have no idea. I've never read it. Well, so, yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> so that's <laughs> funny my job today, Eric. <laughs> well, so that's the funny thing. And I'll be honest, like my own, other than the research I've done about Revelation, it's not one that's talked about very heavily in Catholicism. Yeah. Um, it is f- far more practice. Why is it too negative for Catholicism? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, so. There's f- so We're funny you mentioned. Repent this later. <laughs> so th- it's actually funny you bring that up because there there are three academic views you can take to Revelation. Uh, one is the preterist view, which is um, to say that okay, whatever happened, pretty much was supposed to happen and actually has been fulfilled within the first thousand years of human history since you know since jesus being present on earth so that's the preterist belief you also have this historist belief which is to say that it understands that the prophecies uh that are continuous um and so that they will go to the present day and beyond pretty much that's the kind of position that a lot of the more evangelical christians will will follow is that the 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 apocalypse hasn't happened yet it's going to be happening soon then finally you have the futurist belief which is to say that um there is a future period where the, when the bible prophecies will be fulfilled so and that falls into a lot of the new age stuff that we're going to talk about a lot of the more modern contemporary ideas of an apocalypse and end of times right and when we talk about apocalypse more specifically what we're talking about is again this whole revealing of god to humanity finally just like you know yeah yeah there is jesus yeah, he was cool. And then, you know, then there was Muhammad, and, you know, he was cool, too. But this is, like, no holds barred. God reveals himself. The Holy Spirit reveals himself. You forgot himself. Moses. Moses comes back, to All all the all-stars. Moses really. was a boss. The whole band gets back out there. together. Absolutely. Obi-Wan comes back. For one, Yoda comes for back. For one last show. <laughs> you know? comes back. And we're talking an amazing show. We're talking pyrotechnics. We're talking... They're going to play all the old standards? All the old standards. T-shirt oh. cannons galore. <laughs> Well, I just I find I got it... this from the burning bush. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I so that's that's definitely the apocalypse. But I think the other thing we're talking about here is kind of doomsday and the sort of end of the world concept. And I think you know it's worth mentioning that 
you know, even in the Old Testament, the flood story and in other cultures, they actually there's many cultures that have flood stories Mm -hmm. um, that are kind of used as this is the end of this world. Wipe that slate clean. Move on to the next. It's used as it's it's actually very funny because um, there is hilarious. It wasn't at the time. It's sorry. I shouldn't say funny. It's very interesting because there is some historical evidence to say that in I don't want to say Mesopotamia, but somewhere it was in, Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking. Yeah, about. there was a flood. There was an actual flood. But I mean, again, keep in mind that the ancient worldview was the world around you was pretty much as far as you could see. Right. Yeah. So when they see a flood that goes around the, everywhere you can see, they're like, "Oh my God, the world is flooded." Yeah. So, um, or even just the the lasting psychological impact that something that devastating has mm-hmm. on a population, whether they had conceptualized it as a worldwide event or not, can transform and evolve into a, a legend or story that becomes right. that and human beings are nothing if not symbolic so we 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 actually enjoy the symbolism of this whole idea of cleansing yeah right? yes it's kind of like if you think like a, t- a tornado comes through wipes out an area say in the midwest and then those people then tell the story of sharknado so the flood story <laughs> is yes. effectively yeah those sharknado. two are so yeah. synonymous with each other you know if there's a sharknado in revelation if there was that, I guarantee <laughs> I, you, would, you would have gotten some more converts. Hey, that was a pretty solid metaphor. Okay? I, I will say, I've known you for a very long time. Those were the best analytical skills you've ever displayed. Ever? Ever. Wow. You you paralleled the Great Flood <laughs> to, to a lot of celebrities' dying careers. <laughs> <laughs> All both, right. I hit my peak, everybody. I'm out. <laughs> Can we just like can we phone Stanford and say, hey, look, we have a reason for you to give her an honorary PhD. <laughs> <laughs> she, you literally, she has literally just pushed humanity forward. I sure have. I sure have. Well, um, do you guys have any other religions that you kind of want to touch on? Well, I want to talk about Buddhism for just a hot minute, just because again, the the parallels are are actually pretty impressive. Because if you think about Buddha, Buddha set this this five thousand. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Buddha was the advent of the Sharknado. <laughs> all know this clearly dave um but buddha buddha had in his teachings described a 5000 year period where from that point forward um the the teachings of buddha would be taught around the world and then eventually he would be forgotten and the teachings of buddha would be forgotten and the world would essentially fall into Total chaos, and there would be all sorts of really awful, nasty things happening. The The idea of Dharma would be lost to the world. This mm-hmm. concept of Dharma would be gone. Um, and it would bring what about... What about the concept of Greg? Well, mm-hmm. Greg is a difficult concept to bring into it if you really look at the history behind it all. Because Greg doesn't come in until like... Dave, don't even shake your head at me. We're thinking the same thing. He, he's no, just, I was. He's just, <laughs> I was. He's just so square. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a tenth. It's a totally a tenth century concept. Anyway, we're not yeah. going to get into so it. exactly. Um, um, but I, I would just I want to just please. finish by saying that the the ideas around everything has to go to hell first before everything gets better mm-hmm. is very much present in Buddhism as well. But yeah. there's a very specific date, and I love that Buddha set that for so far in the future, five thousand years in the future, just because there's no way you can go wrong with that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, no, I mean, I, I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I'm just he was hedging I, his bets. I, I the, the parallel that I bring it up to or not even the parallel, but the way I the reason I say it is because when we start talking about some of the more contemporary folks, they're setting like doomsday ahead, maybe 15 years. 
and their or, or career two yeah years. or two years right so right. they're going to still be around if things don't go bad right in these cases um we've we've got some time to work with. well since you're talking about buddhism i want to just very quickly mention uh the hinduist idea of well, the end of the world y- you can't have one without yeah. the other you really you can't because of again for those who don't know buddha was uh, by it's, birth a hindu yeah exactly <laughs> and his philosophies were reforms to hinduism um the parallels between hinduism and christianity are really actually fascinating and amazing because you acknowledge that you have this God, this deity who takes on a fully human yet fully divine incarnation, right? In Jesus. Hinduism has that too. Uh, They've got a a very actually a Trinitarian kind of idea of of their pantheon, right? Brahman is this uniting force that binds all the deities, but you've got Krishna, Vishnu, and uh, Shiva. You know, the creator, the destroyer, and... The other guy. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> and what I find fascinating is that in Hinduism, they have acknowledged they're human beings that, and several of them, because they believe in reincarnation, who are the human, inc- you know, avatar for these gods. So uh, it's no surprise that uh, the last avatar of Vishnu is the one who is going to be the one who comes back on a white horse, something about horses and like the horsemen of the apocalypse too. There's a parallel there. And their, their job is literally just to come and cl- cleanse the world of its sin, cleanse the world of demons. And that's essentially what the Christian allegory does, too. It's meant to, okay, so everything's kind of hit its peak. God's going to come, clean it all up, and we're all going to be happy. No, I assume in all of these religions that these people who are riding on horseback are riding on a horse with no name. Is that right? I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah. True. I just I just want to know if that was a historical fact or if I was just making that up. I think one of the horses is steel, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure that one of the one of the avatars is wanted dead or alive. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of them probably also worked in the docks. Uh, we're, we're also talking about again very significant periods of time in the range of billions of years in this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know it's funny because. You, you get into the Abrahamic religions that are so specific later with their interpretations. Like, people are like, no, it, ha- it happens on this particular day, yeah. on this date. And these are going to say, you know, a couple billion years out. So we're going to be fine. Go have fun. You got a couple billion years to go. You're going to be all right. Yeah. That's fascinating that they do that. Because, I mean, it basically, it it reinforces the, the idea that, you know, life is short, right? Enjoy what you have. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about things that are non you know specific to your life and to your own personal happiness but at the same time you know by by putting that end date on there you're 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 basically saying like you have this much time left like make something of yourself yeah and i think that's great that that the you know the vast majority of all these religions even the contemporary uh people too maybe not so much the contemporary people we can talk about that later but i mean you've got this kind of unifying feeling of like it's going to happen eventually enjoy what you have and and just and just be happy well so I'm going to make a, a fairly controversial statement because I think the religious no the yeah the, the religious idea that we're bought into for doomsday in the contemporary world is science, and it's not to say that I mean science obviously has a very empirical form of logic, but it's a set way of trying to understand the universe around us. To me, that speaks very highly of a religious connotation. But then again, people people associate religion with God and ritual. 
there's kind of a ritual in the idea of, of un- uncovering truth in science, too. I don't think what you're saying is very controversial at all. In fact, it's becoming more and more an accepted idea that science and religion really are very much the same thing. Yeah. In that, you know, religion is the pr- the pursuit of truth. It's a belief structure. Yeah. But science is the method by which to find that truth. And so without them, you, you can't have one or the other. So they become symbolic, or not symbolic, they can become symbiotic in a way. And therefore, they you can't really separate the two. Yeah, no, and we, this is something that you have said a no couple less of than, times now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no less than ten times before. on this podcast. No, I agree. But the point I'm trying to make, I mean, I, I like what you're saying too, because when you when you see that there is a time limit, you're going to be more present in the moment that you're in right now. You know, and I mean, for for science, it's saying the sun's going to implode in four billion years. So the universe is kind of in a different is 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 we're not anything that's we're we're worried about. But we just have to you know wonder if humanity's going to make it that far. Yeah, yeah. because no, with, with the planet. <laughs> I think it's also a little tactical too, right? Because many times when religions are introduced into regions that have never had that religion previously, there's oftentimes a urge for those individuals to become part of that religion, right? Like the New World, for example. We'll just use that one. But you know. When you apply an end date to it, and if you, you kind of need to join along with the club or else you're going to get left out. And if you're left out, it's really bad. Yeah. Sure. You know, I mean, I, and I'm not singling out any religion for this. I'm just saying that this is common theme mm-hmm. among many religions and trying to introduce it into new populations. You can definitely utilize this end of times as a bit of a tactic well, yeah, for I mean, conversion. Let's talk about Martin Luther for a second. Martin Luther was absolutely a futurist, uh, but his future was within his lifetime. He believed the apocalypse was absolutely coming. So when he broke off from the Catholic Church, really when he was excommunicated from the Catholic Church, he didn't really see the mean, the need to form an organization within Lutheranism. I mean, he acknowledged, he, he took a lot of the ancient traditions of Catholicism. He allowed for priests, he even allowed for bishops. Um, but like not really a forming a hierarchy uh, in his time period because he just didn't see the need for it. That all happened after his death. Now, yeah. now there is one. There's synods, very much like Catholicism, and there's a, a conference that's not unlike what you would see in Episcopalianism or even in the Eastern Orthodoxy. Well, I think it's also fascinating, or something to at least discuss amongst us, is that right? You've got all these religions that are basically stating, you know, that there are, you know, time limits to this world, and certain things will may or may not happen depending upon which religion you're believing in. But if you really think about it, like Brian hit on something a couple. Uh, a little while back ago about man's own search into mortality like that alone is such mm-hmm. it's such oh, a yeah. driving force sure. into that and that leads into like the science part of it because we want to understand our own mortality and by doing so we've we're, we we need to understand the universe and by understanding the universe we figured out oh hey in 4 billion years the sun's going to go and are we going to make it so i mean it's just a, it's a perpetual conversation that's happening so you know i love that you brought that up because when you think about i contributed you sure did hey dave contributing yes gold star uh when you think about for example solar eclipses yeah they are a dime a dozen right we are highly publicized today no matter where you are in the world you can see footage of a solar eclipse going to happen at some point but back in the ancient world when a solar eclipse happened it was kind of a showstopper. Like something was going to go down. Yeah, because think about the sun. Universally across all cultures, the sun is a life giver. It's something that has, you know, symbolized birth and, and life for thousands upon thousands. Yeah, I mean, the, we, we talked about this before, that the the whole 
this daily cycle yeah. was very much central to life. So anything that interrupts that is going to be significant, right? And it's going to encourage all sorts of dialogue around what we're talking about. Anytime you have mass disease introduced, it's going to do that too. And when you look at Europe in the midst of the Black Death, for example, there were so many doomsday predictions going on around that time because to many people, this is what was being predicted. This was the end of the world to them. Whole towns and villages were being wiped off the face of the it's earth. It's a coping mechanism. Yeah. It is very much a coping because mechanism. Because you've got this thing that's happening and you want to understand why it, right. why it's happening. And, oh, it must be the end of the world because there's no other earthly explanation as and to I'm, why this is happening. And I'm glad that you brought that up, too, because that's the other intention of the Judeo-Christian ideas, right? And, of course, and even with the, the Hindu ideas, right? It's the idea of hope is that, yeah, things are going to get really, really crappy right now. And things are kind of crappy right now. The Jews are out of their, their homeland. The Christians are being persecuted left and right by the by the Romans and by an emperor who is tyrannical and pretty much insane. So the idea that, yeah, that's going to get wiped clean and then everything's going to be okay yeah. after that. That's what, it's the idea of that hope that pushes people to want to endure whatever chaos I mean, they feel they're going through. This would through. be a world where in the Middle East, nobody would be fighting over the origins of hummus. Think about that for a moment. Just think about it. What? That's a big thing. It's a big thing. It doesn't come just from Sabra? Like, that's... Well, we know wow. where, it, you know... Good God. <laughs> the birthplace of hummus... That was a joke, folks. Please, everyone knows I'm not that ignorant. Birthplace of hummus is one of the underlining factors in everything going on in the Middle East, I'm just saying. Anyway. Uh, I, one other thing that's worth mentioning is that dates are also very much significant in the brain. They are. About... They help with procreation. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong kind of dates, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> and no, they're also not the delicious Figs little... Figs are tre- also no, really yeah. important. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, lot, a lot of fiber. <laughs> but think of how many of these doomsday predictions had to do with the first millennia, for example. Or, you know, had to do with, like you were kind of saying, cosmic events and whatnot. Yeah, like... alignment of planets and mm-hmm. things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And I think that should kind of bring us into... My part! Yeah. <laughs> Science! As I, as I gesture in a way that you can't see, but perhaps can yes. hear if I do it fast enough across the microphone. <laughs> Eric's hands are outstretched Lately. towards Sarah. Eric yes. is gesticulating to hey, Sarah. this is good radio. I have not said gesticulating in a long time. You just did. I know, but because you said it for... <laughs> <laughs> well, we got one left. It's like it's the end of the world or something. Okay. <laughs> um, well, so, so yeah, like you were kind of bringing up with solar eclipses and, um, you know, people associating some of those things with larger events. Um, there's one specifically that comes around about every 75 years or so, Halley's Comet. Yes. And it's a really just cool event. It, you'll probably only ever see it once in your lifetime. And uh, that's about right, 75 yeah, years. Yeah, about 70 odd years it comes When did by. it happen yeah. last? 96. Uh, it was 96. I thought it was 86. It was 86. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. That means I still got a chance. Anyway, so when Halley's Comet came around in 1066, it actually was such a significant event that it actually made it onto the, the Bayou Tapestry because of William the Conqueror. So like people had been taking notice of Halley's Comet for a long time. Chinese astronomers were taking records of it. So so people knew about Halley's Comet already, but they didn't at this point in 1910, when it was about to come around again, people didn't really understand what comets were made out of. 
um, you know, how big was Haley's Comet actually? Um, they just knew it was something that you could see in the night sky. And um, there was a Frenchman named Camille Flammarion who basically said that, um, you know, with this Halley's Comet, as we were passing through the tail, as Earth was going to pass through the tail of Halley's Comet, we were actually going to be exposed to deadly gas. Gas, you say? Gas. I'm uh, aghast. Cyanogen, actually, who said it was so bad that if you took like a, a like salt grain size and you put it on your tongue, you would die instantly. And what he, was he basing this off of? He was basing this off of um, spectroscopy, which and some really, really good pot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, he he detected cyanogen in the tail using spectroscopy, which um, reveals an object's composition by analyzing the light that's coming off of it. Well, oh. spectr- spectroscopy is still used to a degree today but not to a degree it is one of the most principal instruments in astronomy right now mm-hmm. and it was in its infancy in 1910 so even if they were detecting trace elements that's all good and great but in 1910 the technology did not exist at that point it just to sounds really like really pinpoint exactly what it was made out of they knew what was there they knew and they could guess at its composition in in you know total amounts and but... i guess he hadn't considered that the number of times that Halley's Comet had passed throughout history, nothing bad happened. Well, it passed throughout history so many times, but the more significant thing about this one is that we were going to be passing, that Earth was going to be passing through its tail. Right. That we'd be so, getting very close. So, thusly, Earth would be passing through the poisonous gas cloud of death. Right. And so people were freaking out about all of this. Like, it was a widespread panic. People were hawking gas masks. People were, there were swindlers who were selling anti-comet pills. They were just basically sugar pills. And people were buying these things off the shelves because they legitimately thought they were going to die. I laugh because later in your discussion, you're going to talk about, you know, closer, things that have happened closer to 2015. And it's like the exact same. Well, panic will make you lose your better sense of judgment. But in England, Mm -hmm. those gas... will protect me! (laughs) In England, those gas masks would be brought out of the closet three years later at the start of the First World War. So they yes. were they had a purpose. They were they actually, were they became handy later on. Can I just yeah. comment about what... You're going to comment about the comment? <laughs> yeah. Damn it, don't steal my jokes before I make them. <laughs> uh, if I could comment on Haley's comment uh, for just one moment, please. <laughs> I still went with a joke. Uh, what it did actually give to Earth mm-hmm. was life-giving water. Comets are, are actually thought these days to be the cedars of oceans, potentially, for terrestrial planets like our own, little rocky planets. Can it give some to California? <laughs> that, that would, the way it would introduce it would not help <laughs> at the moment. I mean, unless you want Sacramento and all the surrounding areas to be a crater, then yes. Essentially, what a comet is, is a big ball of ice and dirt. No, I understand. Dirt. I understand. We, we also are and I mean, and Halley's Comet itself is like nine miles long. Yeah, it's a big one, and it doesn't get close enough to the sun for it to degrade, you know, in a, any significant amount every do time it comes back we around. Need when it gets closer to Earth and closer to hitting us. Do we need to send a ragtag group of oil drillers up to? Oh then my God! Shut up! It? We're not doing no. Armageddon. We don't need to explode it because all we need is them with flamethrowers. <laughs> Clearly, that's <laughs> all we have to worry about. <laughs> It, it is worth mentioning because this does become 
a, a theme of other contemporary mm-hmm. doomsday predictions. Oh, of course, right? yeah. That a comet or an asteroid will strike the Earth and everything yep. will go bye-bye. And, you know, hey, you know what? It's happened before and it can happen again, which is why there are whole, you know, organizations that have been set up around the world, international organizations, to look for lar- near-Earth objects, is which is what they're called, to prevent that from happening. If we can mm-hmm. identify it early enough, we can do something to prevent it from happening. Yeah. Like, you know installing a a set of thrusters on the side of it like ion propulsion thrusters which Mm -hmm. are sweet and they just go and keep going and keep going until they nudge its trajectory enough to keep it from hitting us yep not quite as climatic or as you know dave would like us to have with bruce willis and and ben oh it's not my idea it's just michael bay's like you know incessant add in his head of just like ah lights and noises and Mm -hmm. michael bay has destroyed science (laughs) that's because he played a scientist in that movie that's why he destroyed you should have seen the original spacesuits that didn't make it into armageddon well let's not go there let's not go there please not please take us somewhere else anything we can say that there was just that if if there's anything consistent throughout history it's full-blown panic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that fair. people freak out about things. Well, so you've got somebody who is an authority of some kind, mm. in this case, scientific versus religious, mm. and has some, has some, within their own scope of knowledge, plausible idea for the end of time. And again, plausible again, within the scope of, of, of his logic and the scope of logic of that can time. Can we include air quotes, please? Yeah. Yes, and actually, air quotes. can I just say, here's the other thing, is that even after... Haley's Comet had passed through. Everybody realized, oh, we're not going to die. There was no risk. Freaking French people are out dancing in the streets because they're like, you know, don't have to worry about it anymore. We live. We live. Because French. But Camille (laughs) Flammarion was still trying to say that, oh, well, I have four accounts of people who said it smelled like burning vegetables. And that's a sign that I was right. Uh, I just wanted to clarify, last time Haley's Comet did pass by was 1986. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. So what I was saying was, when you've got that authority that essentially, through all plausibility, says that, oh yeah, we're screwed. Um, Yeah, of course your first reaction is going to be panic. It's, I mean, it seems like a very natural human knee-jerk thing to to do. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's survival, right? Like. Because the question, it's a, it's a, it's a coin toss. Yeah. Is this person telling the truth? If he is, I need to, I need to protect me and my own. And if it's not, you know, then we're going to be fine. But but what if I'm wrong? Right. I mean, think, I think of like the people who live on the Gulf coast when it's hurricane season, this is more predictable now and a lot more accurate. But the moment, you know, they know that there's a tropical storm in the horizons, people start stocking up for food, Right. Seven years ago, when right before the economy tanked, when the global rice price went up, people just started buying giant bags of rice, uh, and you couldn't like you couldn't get rice at a at a grocery store in some parts for that reason, you know. Mm-hmm. So many lost homemade sushi moments. It's just, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's and it's interesting too. So I mean, throughout you know the the twentieth century, there were plenty of actually little mini doomsdays possible doomsdays since the 70s because this one guy keeps calculating things from the bible and keeps deciding on a new day and can we have his name please i actually can't remember his name off the top of my well there's herbert w armstrong um who in 1975 was one of those folks who really propagated Mm -hmm. a lot of the new age end of the world kind of stuff that's going on and can we just all acknowledge that the 1970s was not good for humanity in general. 
Uh, there was some good stuff that came out of the seventies, like Star Wars. So okay, Star Wars, yes, disco. Oh, no. whoa, whoa, Eric! I don't think you understand Sarah's love for disco. Eric, I would slowly back up to the door. Well, folks, it's been pleasant. Take it back. I mean, take it back. Disco, punk, glam rock, arena rock, Donna Summer. All I said. Equal I'm rights just, amendment. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> I like how I said the, the one thing that's socially relevant other than just the pop culture. So. so I think what we're missing here is the fact that I tried to make a funny and failed. Yeah. yeah. With that said. Quaaludes. <laughs> <laughs> with that said, the 1970s did bring about a lot of this kind yeah. of new age world's yeah. coming to the end kind of And thing. it feels like it hasn't really piped down since then. Yeah. And obviously all of us here are old enough to remember one of the most panicky moments of all of forever when everybody really Probably should... in the last like 15, 20 years. Yeah. I mean, we all should have just been partying like Prince said, like it was 1999, but instead everybody was panicking about Y2K. Y2K, yeah. And again, <sighs> a supposedly plausible yes. idea that because computers... It will, were... it, like, it, well, okay. It was like... We, know that, was, hey, was, we say that now. Hey, we say that now. No, it was no, so blown we out of it. proportion that even when I, even I was a kid and not didn't fully understand the idea of computers, really, aside from the fact that it was a thing that I used, I was still like sitting there going, "This seems a little ridiculous." It was media plausible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, media exactly. plausible. Exactly. We're, we're talking on the level of yeah. access Hollywood. Yes. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the 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 idea of a millennium bug. The idea that we built an imperfect computer system that would eventually destroy itself because it didn't know how to add another year to its system. So Yeah, I mean, it was like one of those ideas that somehow, because the computer was going to think that it was 1900, that planes were going to drop from the sky and, I don't know, turn into the Wright Brothers plane. Like, that's, like, honestly, the way people were acting. that would have been awesome. That's what I said. (laughs) That's so steampunk. (laughs) That would have been, like, the best magic. Like, David Copperfield would be like, I wish I could do that. Right? (laughs) One of my favorite Simpsons episodes of all time is... Is the, the Y2K, Y2K episode. episode? Oh my god! Well, I mean, god. and the oh, biggest... that's so good with the New Year. Oh, those are all just missiles launching. It's just a coincidence. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, the biggest, the biggest risk that there was going to be was something where like credit cards were going to like billing was going to get screwed up because they were going to think that you were back paid a bunch or something yeah. like, or like you were behind on payments, and it was really more of a concern about like calendars and the finance system and it really didn't ha- it didn't mean that like electricity was going to stop working right but people thought that they stocked up on canned food they mm-hmm. also stocked up on gas masks there were things like like y2k ready oh, stereos yeah, 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 yeah. that you could like portable stereos and everything that you could buy that would last through y2k they had earthquake packs <laughs> and they had y2k yeah. packs there were <laughs> survival guides flying off the shelves at bookstores this is how ridiculous the panic was. Can I just can I just say too that just because computers malfunction doesn't mean that lift stops happening. Planes <laughs> will still stay in the sky. Well, the fear was that they would collide with one another because because the, the air traffic control systems would all be out. Yeah. I'm, 
There are windows on planes. You can see things. <laughs> you have to have a trained pilot who can also work without the instruments on those in, yeah. on those planes. Come yeah. on now. But they could have been uh, the influence. They could have been drinking. You they could have been drinking again yeah. in the captain's lounge. I mean, there were like Y2K sales for stores trying to wipe out their inventory. It was. Can you just can we just applaud those people who, who like the engineer? Who profited from that? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So okay, we have you know an example of Haley's comment right mm-hmm. where. And I just totally butchered the name, too. It's Holly's Comet, but sorry. I always um, say Haley's Comet anyway. A lot of people say it wrong, including me just now. It's I'm Holly's saying Comet. Haley's Comet. So Fair you enough. have no reason to be smug but right now. We, we had at this That's time... That's why we also say Carnegie Hall instead of Carnegie Hall. Be that as it may. It's also an uh, encyclopedia. We, we have at this time in 1910, uh-huh. right, the birth of modern astronomy. Mm-hmm. Big telescopes coming into use. Of course, the comet was going to be the bringer of death. Mm -hmm. Then you have, you know, almost 100 years later, Y2K, what's all around us, what's being talked about all the time, the internet and computers, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we just had a dot-com boom two years prior to that, so. And then we have an example that's not so funny, which is earlier, a little earlier, actually, before this, uh, which is uh, the uh, Jamestown. Mm. massacre yeah so it's worth mentioning because this yeah. happened in 1967 mm-hmm. what else was going on in 1967 was the cold war and what did the people's church believe in well they believed that the end of the world was going to be a nuclear holocaust that right the world was going to explode quite literally and this is one of those situations where a doomsday prediction led to the death of a lot of innocent people to be fair though that doomsday prediction was not unlike any other i mean it was different from any other prediction that was happening because we literally were on the verge of actually having right well i think my point is that these doomsday predictions also happen to be contemporary to what's going on right in in the in the realm of fear that web that encompasses us all and whatever gets perpetrated by the media and becomes mm-hmm. the next big right. thing to be afraid of, like Ebola, right? So, yeah. you know, Ebola is another one of those things where that could very well have turned into a doomsday prediction, but people were too scared because it was actually frightening enough all by itself. Yeah. It didn't need to become anything else. Yeah, and the, there's also the, I mean, it's worth mentioning, is if anything else, other than just like a footnote, the Heaven's Gate cult in mm-hmm. the late 90s, which were yeah. a copycat, essentially, yeah. Yeah. of, not in the religious sense, because they were, totally different thing but the idea of just lacing the pudding with poison also brought along with another comet in that particular case it was hail bop now another interesting note hail bop is also the name of the failed barney spinoff that featured baby bop as a as a a tyrant and dictator i i wow the level that was that's a stretch man the level of pun that you have just reached is like a million. I'm just saying, point. if if Hale Bop could have made it on TV, I think I'm making stretching. the end of the world. You're stretching. Was, was near. He, he doesn't like the fact that there's another person trying to make puns on the show. I'm very <laughs> sorry. Eric. You're invading my funny zone, and I'm having a problem with this. Well, He's invading your punny oh zone. Oh gosh, and... I'm moving on, moving on, moving on, guys. I want to end on something really specific. Oh, something, do tell. something from just just a couple years ago. What could it be? Uh, December twenty first, twenty twelve. Oh then? yes. Yeah. What? What? You know what happened then? I, Nothing. I think I remember. I think oh. <laughs> I think I got home from work that night. Yeah. And it was definitely because you no know, winter solstice, so it was definitely darker a lot earlier. And probably drank some eggnog. Yeah. Probably think, passed wait, out on wait, the couch. I was in Disneyland. I wrapped it. Didn't in we Christmas record? Yeah, we recorded on that night. We huh? may have. So here's the point. Like yeah, that's about it. The world didn't end. 
And this was this whole fear, if you guys recall from a couple of years ago, because it wasn't that long ago, um, that people thought that the world was going to end based on the the Mayan long count calendar, um, just because it was the end of a you know five thousand and change year long cycle that was based five thousand one hundred twenty six. Thank you. Uh, that was I wasn't trying to be that specific, but you know, cool. It's it's Eric. I know. Well, that, that's cool. That's cool. But anyway, so they were basing it off of this calendar, and the calendar wasn't really saying that the world was going to end. It was just that was the end of that calendar. It's kind of it's like when the guy just stopped etching it into the stone. Yeah, it's kind of like when you're looking at your twelve month calendar and you're getting into December and you're like, oh my god, is there going to be another kitty? There's no more kitties, and you flip it over and it's just like, just order a new one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I will I will comment that it was a little bit. It was a little deeper than that by the time the Mayans got a hold of it. And it's important to remember that this yeah. is oftentimes called the Mayan calendar. But it was the Mesoamerican. It like it, it was almost certainly the Olmecs yeah. who well, brought this in. I also think it's important to recognize the Mesoamerican concept of the apocalypse, too. Theirs was called the Fifth Age, right? Mm -hmm. there, they, and theirs was... It was a, a time of celebration, right? No. Right. Well, yes. kind of. I mean... It's a, Ooh, argument. I would say I mean, the idea that the gods were going to destroy the world... Uh, is not so much cause for celebration. Like, what they would do to prevent that was they would have ritualistic human sacrifice. Well, no, the gods were potentially going to destroy the world at any time. That's, that's, what, why, that's what I'm talking that's about. That's what they did the right But when we're talking about the specific transfer of one phase into the next, those were periods of celebration. Mm -hmm. Those were periods where there was rebirth and there was essentially a huge party that was going to happen. And that's what a where lot they, of... Where they did a lot of ritualistic human sacrifice. But that was the normal thing. That was going on all the time. Is what yeah. I'm that was saying. a Tuesday. That, that, that's like opening yeah, presents. Exactly. That was... Except instead of opening presents, you're opening bodies. Oh, it's bodies. a spleen. Oh, it's another <laughs> spleen. <laughs> oh, that's great. I but mean, that I one's only... bigger. But the point that I think we're all trying to make here is that it's, it's oftentimes transformed into this prediction of the end of the world, mm -hmm. which is not what they were talking about. Yeah. They really weren't. And when you're talking about the the descendants of the Mayans today, they saw this as an opportunity to have a freaking awesome party, mm -hmm. which they did. Yep. And also, I mean, the, the, where, the way it kind of spun off is there were some scholars who said it was end of the world prediction. Um, a lot of the specifically Mayanistic scholars did not believe that whatsoever, but um, there were a lot of New Age people who took this as also a time of spiritual transformation and celebration, um, otherwise known as the dawning of the Age of Aquarius. Right. So, Age of Aquarius. Yeah. Another amazing thing that came from the 70s. Um, yes, so amazing. <laughs> I believe the prophecy states that when the moon is in the seventh house. Yeah. And, and Jupiter, Jupiter aligns with, with Mars. Mars. Then right. peace will fill the planet. Yeah. There you go. Yes, because that happens. <laughs> and, love, and love will fill us all, Yeah, Eric. Yep. We're full of something right now. <laughs> so I but think, there was all these oh. other ideas about, like, you know, another planet colliding in with ours on that date. Planet X. Uh, is, yes. Just, no. Yes. And, That's and real the, science, folks. And the magnetic poles reversing and throwing everything into chaos. That's what Roland Emmerich believed. Yes. So there were a lot of really interesting theories, and we can really blame the Discovery Channel and the History Channel for per per perpetuating this crap. Oh, cable should just be destroyed because of this. I, I mean, I know Eric. Minus Eric, gets ang Eric gets angry anytime a pseudoscience comes up, like like visibly angry. Well, guys, 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 guys. guys I mean, it guys, is. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Eric, Atlantis could be real. 
he's like still not funny <laughs> <laughs> so i mean but to to be fair i i share eric's frustration with this because when you have a uh a channel that is called the history channel you know producing producing yep. speculative material at best for something that we don't even know i mean they did a fucking ancient alien that's, that's, last that's one. it that's, that's it last oh, one. That's... we're done they we haven't one. used them all in a long time, ladies and gentlemen. They, they did one of those on mermaids. And granted, it and was, people no, 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 believed no, it. Hold on, hold on. That wasn't the, the History Channel. Not that I'm trying to defend the History Channel, but that was actually Discovery. Which is owned it's by, owned the, owned by same the same company. company, Dave. Yeah. It's all the They're same. They're all thing. the same thing. Brian, let's just calm down, man. No, we can't. Keep going. Hey, you're one of them. I'm going to support. You're part of the problem. I'm going to support one of these moments. Go for it, Brian. Eric, time up. <laughs> okay, I'm not supporting it to that degree. This is why I don't come on the show as often anymore, guys. You know what, though? It resorts to whoa, yelling. Whoa, whoa, I just... Something just occurred to me. Hmm. I just had a revelation. Did you? Are you I, sure it wasn't just, no, like, some indigestion? I thought it might have been those tacos, but I don't think so. I know approximately when the world will end. Do you? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm making my own prediction tonight. Preach. I'm going to say approximately... 4.6 billion years from now, the world will end. Because the sun will become a red giant? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, the sun will expand as it, you know, burns out its fuel, all the hydrogen. Okay, we'll have terraformed away. Mars by then. And we know this because we, you know, use telescopes to look up into mm -hmm. space, and we've seen this happen again and again and again. So we've seen the evolution of stars, and this will happen. Our world will end one day, 4.6 billion years from now. So if you're like, you know right along with what's going on with hinduism there you go awesome that's totally in line with and, it but everything else sorry folks yeah and to be totally we got a lot fair, of time to be totally fair by the time the sun expands to a red giant i mean earth's already going to be toast at that point anyway so really we're talking like three billion well years. i mean chances are humanity so, will not be around by that point exactly yeah, at all we yeah. will anyway, destroy ourselves before, well before that yeah so. and you know the universe will one day kind of come to an end as well there's a lot of different theories and ideas around this there used to be the concept of the big crunch mm -hmm. right where the idea was that the universe you know expands like a rubber band and it keeps going and going and going and then eventually it kind of has to retract on itself and everything comes back together and another big bang but they've actually kind of thrown that one out the window in the past you know 10 15 years and now we think of the big chill as being the most plausible current idea for the end of the universe and that is that the universe <laughs> is not slowing down we're continuing to expand. We're moving faster and faster to the point where we will have moved so far apart from one another in terms of, you know, the space in between us. Yeah. Yeah. I heard they couldn't make that one work, though, because Kevin Klein didn't want to come back. <sighs> Still not funny. Um, <laughs> it was a big chill. Movie called The Big Chill. Kevin Klein was a... Mm, I think... I was thinking Dave Matthews. That was going to be my joke. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know... Any star that was impressive will have already been gone by yeah. this point. There'll just be these cold little dark remnants in an empty universe, it's, which is actually a lot scarier than anything I've heard tonight. Well, it's fascinating to think, right, that people are trying to predict what's going to happen billions of years from now, right? So it's, it, it, it's so fascinating to me. And I mean, like all of these different things that we've talked about, uh, humorous and not so humorous, right, it, it, it goes back to what I what I brought up before is that we 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 are trying to figure this out and maybe our maybe the whole point is is that it, we don't need to be figuring it out. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You and can't there is stop science, Dave. But what's the point? 
Why does it matter if billions of years from now we figure out the universe is going to expand or, or you know, crunching on itself and create another Big Bang or freeze itself over? If humanity is not there and it doesn't matter to the scientists who are figuring this out, like, so what's the point? Because, because the unexamined life is not worth living. Yeah, and we're trying to figure out the nature of our universe. Right, but, which but is not kind of the whole point of religion too. It's the whole not, point of everything. That actually is the meaning of life. But that's what's so fascinating about it is that <laughs> yeah. we are so concentrated on trying to figure out all about the world that we can when really in retrospect, actually and just in hindsight, it it really doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, right, our life is going to be our life. Well, I'm still going to disagree with yeah, you. Yeah, I'm going to challenge that in the sense that... <laughs> of it, course you will. I'm going to challenge it in the sense that it does matter that we know, but we don't need to worry about it. Why does it matter that we know, though? So to me, and I'll, and you know, I'm not, this... I'm not trying to start a discourse. I'm just, I'm genuinely curious. And this is like a philosophical debate on personal, personal desire to learn more. Like that's what that, that's what you're discussing right now. Okay. If you look at history, right? Because this is a podcast about history, still, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh for... no, now we're on, nerds on philosophy. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're kind of dipping into that. If you look at history, but you can't have one without the other. Mankind would not be where it is now. Right. If it wasn't for curiosity. Of course. If it wasn't for the desire to continue to learn. And mankind has survived some things that would have, would have otherwise wiped it off the face of the planet if it wasn't for curiosity. Thank you, Comet Pills. And migration of, you know, human peoples. But... <laughs> mostly, <laughs> mostly, mostly Comet Pills. pills. <laughs> mostly Comet Pills. I think we have our episode I think title. we do, yes. Um, and, you know, if we want to continue to exist... Right. That sense of curiosity has to only get stronger. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I think that brings us to tonight's listener feedback portion yep. of the show. Yep. This week in listener feedback. Can I just say, ask and you shall receive. When we said we had no feedback, oh boy, did people rush to yeah. their devices and give us feedback. Dan out on me. You suck. Thank the nameless you. guy with the time Dan out on me. It's either Terrence or Philip. I can't tell. That's uh, just a hybrid of, of the both, of the two. So first of all, uh, in response to the Knocker Upper episode, we have one from Aaron. And says, hey guys, finally caught up with all the episodes. So listening to this particular episode reminds me of the first email I sent you guys about this blacksmith having to reinvent this job. That's right. Aaron actually sent us a couple. Wanted to share that the first mechanics of automobiles were blacksmiths because their business was changing since they didn't have to worry about you know, horseshoeing horses anymore. They just adapted with the, the times and they learned how to fix the the, the metal within the, the engines. Kind of cool how that profession uh, evolved. Uh, she continues on to say, though, that um, once... Oh, yeah, so basically that's what I just said. So never mind. Uh, she ends with keep up the fantastic work and... Aaron, and she puts a little heart logo at the end. That's kind of sweet. I like that. Thank uh, you, Aaron. Yes, indeed. In fact, it wasn't just kind of sweet. It was very sweet. It was darling. Uh, we also have one. Uh, did, we have, did we correct the whole thing about the Tory government at all? Because I think I misspoke when we did the punk episode. No, nope, uh, I don't think we... Uh, unless you guys did on the episodes that I wasn't there. Yeah, I think I might have misspoken. If I, did, if I already corrected this, well, then it'll, just, it'll be corrected twice. Uh, I misspoke with one of the prime ministers, and I said it was a Tory government. It wasn't. It was a labor uh, or I said it was a labor government. It wasn't. I, I misspoke for who, who the party was being represented. So Go back, apologies. listen to that episode. It was whatever Brian said, but the opposite. Exactly. Indeed. <laughs> exactly. Just remember that. Correction made. There you go. But there is another one from Scott about the punk episode. 
Yeah. Uh, Scott said, subject emo. Hey, your podcast on the history of punk was a great episode. The only issue that came up for me was your take on emo, whether it belonged in the subgenres of punk rock. Emo, when it started in the mid to late 80s, was short for emotional, emotive hardcore and was largely based in the Washington, D.C. scene. Bands like Embrace, uh, Rites of Spring were the first bands to be labeled emo and sounded nothing like what became the mainstream awful version that exploded in the 2000s. Um, hey, Death you know Professionals, what? great. You know what? That's that's fair. Emo definitely did have some other origins, and that's totally fair. But then it somehow fused into an ugly bastard child with punk. So, um, <laughs> so I don't know what to tell you there. Um, I mean, it's a clarification more than no, anything. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I do appreciate that. And actually, um, I got some feedback on Twitter about the punk episode from Evan Schumacher, friend of the show, who um, definitely sent me some very interesting tracks from My Chemical Romance trying to to prove that they are not so emo as they seem. And actually, I will go ahead and stand corrected on that, that they definitely have some tracks that oh. were a little bit more, that were a little bit more punk rock than... Little yeah. Black, is it Little Black Balloon or no? No. no par- something Parade. Black one of their Parade. Al- Black Parade is brilliant. I mean, I, to me, Black Parade, like at least that's like that one song, was like more musical theater than anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah There definitely. were some stuff that was just flat out emo sounding, but... There were other stuff that some tracks that he showed me that were definitely more punk yeah. rock. So Okay, so the next piece of feedback comes from Susan. It says, love the podcast mostly. Mostly? Mostly. mostly. They mostly oh. come out at night. Yes. Mostly. mostly. And she says, I enjoy the podcast bringing informative and entertaining topics. The mostly part comes with Christianity, as Eric seems to be insulting the religion at every turn. Not any other religion, just anything to do with Christ. Uh, he has every right not to believe in Christ, but does not, uh, but not to ridicule those of us who do. In addition, why is everything Eric says wonderful, but everything Brian says is treated as ridiculous? So many of the topics Eric's br- Eric brings to the table are the ones I love hearing about. I will also continue to listen. I also got my niece to listen to the podcast, and she loves it as well. I do have a possible topic for a future episode: the history of knitting, as it's an integral, uh, as as an interesting past. Excuse me. Uh, not all of the little old ladies uh, over the not all about little old ladies over the centuries. So let me address the most important part of this first, and that is the knitting. <laughs> that is a joke. Let me address the actual important part of this. So Susan, and to any of our listeners who have been offended by anything that I've ever said in relation to Christianity, I can say with a hundred percent honesty that that was never my intention. And maybe I should explain, if I haven't done so in a previous episode, just a little bit more about kind of what my concept of beliefs are. And that might help explain what's happening here. So I do not belong to any type of doctrinized religion. I just, I don't believe in religious organizations as being a thing for me. I'm a spiritual person. And as I stated earlier, I believe that, you know, religion is the pursuit of truth. And I, I honestly believe that in that sense, then I you can call me a religious person if you want to. But I don't belong to any religion mm-hmm. right and i'm not ridiculing christianity but i am perhaps being a bit flippant with it and a bit lax with it in the sense that i'm not maybe always 100 percent aware of what other people might be thinking and just because i've never really been exposed to anything religious wise before so i don't really have a big build-up for it if you will i just i kind of take it as i see it and i just kind of go with it as i go and and I never mean to be insulting, and I feel like every religion has something to contribute, Christianity being one of those. But I'm also exposed to Christianity a lot more than I am to mm-hmm. other religions. So when I do find something that, you know, I don't really align with, 
I guess I kind of go Christianity more than I'm going to do, you know, Buddhism just because I'm not really sure, you know, steeped. Well, and, in an, and I mean, yeah. I think you of all people can also recognize the fact that, you know, Christian religions have had, had such a huge impact on, on Western culture and the history that we talk about most of the time. There's a reason yeah. why Brian is constantly bringing it up because there's a lot of really deep influences there. And so, um, and Brian yeah. is not ridiculed for the things that he says. Brian is awesome. Everybody loves Brian. Yeah. I think it's a TV show, actually, or Raymond or something like that. But it doesn't matter. I mean, we love Brian. Um, we also we all we all, that we all have our own dynamic. <laughs> yes, and, and we and, all tease yes. each other, too. Like, if you want to hear some hardcore teasing, you go to Nerds on Film. I don't let your niece listen to nerds on film, but you go to well, nerds on film and it's is, like yeah. way worse there. So, um, <laughs> so again, again, it's not my intent to insult Christ or Christianity or what have you. I just, I don't, I'm going to tell you right now, folks, I don't believe anything that, you know, organized religions believe. I just don't. And it's just me. Yep. So, and that's why, that's why Brian is here to balance you out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But the, balance. the, I will say the nice freedom that comes with that with being agnostic is that you can treat all religions equally. Yeah. So, um, which I think, I think that's something that people who are devout in their faith could actually learn from maybe learning to respect other people's beliefs. that are different than yours. I think that's something a lot of atheists can learn from too. Is being yeah. Cause guess what? So atheism a is a religion. General. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. No, atheism is flat out a religion. And, and I'm not an atheist. I know some seriously angry atheists who just have, who just seriously want to ruin everybody's good time. So, I, I think every religion can contribute Everybody, something. yeah. Every religion has one of those people, too, that wants to ruin everybody's good time. And I'll say that Christianity was integral yeah. in the formation of Western society. Yeah, Just so it's go. on the record, yeah, I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah, it, it needs to be said. So, again, thank you for the feedback. Keep it coming. Yeah, and if you guys want to hit us up and give us more feedback, we would absolutely love it. Uh, you can go to nerdonomy.com, click that Talk to Us button, send us an email. It would be totally rad. While you're on the website, go ahead and check out our merch page, buy a t-shirt if you feel like it, read our, some old articles in our blog. Um, blog. If you happen to see any links for Amazon, if you follow that and then start shopping, that's really supportive. Or uh, you can go to audibletrial.com slash nerdonomy, uh, try it some podcast or try some audiobooks um and then if you're just feeling like giving us a straight donation you can also do that on our website however you can also hit us up on social media if you go to facebook instagram twitter search for nerdonomy you will find us i promise you that um but the most important thing that you can do is review us on itunes review us on stitcher or just tell your friends about us we would love more listeners um and uh more positive feedback even some constructive criticism. We take it all in. We try to learn from it and move on. So thank you guys so much for listening. Also, knitting, I think, is a great idea. Totally rad. From that feedback. And I know Jill actually wants to come back on the episode. Uh, so and, and she wants to do an episode on knitting. Cool. Great. She was great to have on last time. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I can't be on. That's, that's too good and, like, wholesome. Oh, so but we're talking guys... about other things you can do in knitting needles. Oh, yeah, like so we people? might be able to bring you in. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, that's good. You have to talk to my, my, my We'll manager. see what spin we put on it. Okay, that's good, that's good. Cool. Well, nerds, it is that time, so until we meet again, what? Before we do that, huh. I just want to take one more time and say a special thank you to Mr. David McGuire for oh, coming on the episode tonight. Um, you are, as we all know, a founding father of Nerdonomy, and even though to our newer listeners, you might be like one of the other guys who signed the Constitution that nobody's ever heard of. Herbie Hancock. But, <laughs> and this is why Dave's not a regular host on Nerds in History. <laughs> but you are definitely John Hancock quality, and oh, thank, thank you for you coming Mary. on. And a thank you to Aunt Teresa 
you may interrupt my teeth brushing at any time for future episode ideas, especially ones as good as this. Well, next time you guys have an episode on uh, dangerous and nefarious things, I will be there to provide bad jokes. Well, don't worry, because I think in January we're going to do one on Wall Street, so... I will be there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Oh. Okay. Uh, nerds, it is that time, so until we meet again, stay nerdy and tune into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. Bye. Adios. Bye-bye. Later. Okay, finally, cans are where they need to be. My chairs are set up in the appropriate feng shui pattern. That's going to make good use for the new world. Okay, great. Now it's time to sit down and watch a lifetime marathon of Lost. What? There's no batteries in the remote. It No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'll just turn the TV on manually. Oh my god, the knob broke off! This is not fair!